93.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hola, amigos. It is the end of your work week. As always, appreciate you tuning us in. 800-998-1003. Got a ton to get into here as well. I'll give you the guest list. And as you know, the NBA Finals. It is over and done with, and we're going to have a lot to talk about that here as well. Handful of different guests, and we'll wrap up, of course, Saints uh, minicamp yesterday, wrapping up for sure. Jeff Duncan also touching on the fact why two numbers in particular won't ever be worn. That would be quarterbacks by the Saints. And it's gotten a lot of people to start talking about should other numbers be um, off limits as well and all. So we'll get into all of that and more following this. There she is, little Rebecca Black, letting you know that it is, of course, the end of your work week. You probably know that. And you also probably know it is hot outside. As we said yesterday during the show, it is uh going to keep getting hotter for the next couple of days. Yikes. Like highs of 100 tomorrow. So be careful out there. Try to cool off and, um, you know, be smart about it. Drink lots of water. But I always tell little guy. Coming up on today's show, as we said, Jeff Duncan of the Advocate in Picayune. He wrote earlier this week, Archie Manning, Drew Brees, the numbers 8 and 9. Uh, they're not going to be worn by players off limits. Mark Ingram apparently wanted to have the number 8. He was told no, that, that it's not happening. Also, what we found out yesterday... Jeff uh, tweeted as well that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis were responsible for designing the helmet, including the stripe. How do you feel about that? Now that you know that Mickey Loomis and them uh, had that as well. Hmm? Interesting. So... We will get into all of that and more coming up on today's show. 1245, Tim Grubbs just confirmed and added. We'll touch on a little baseball. Uh, Cubbies love to keep losing games. It's what it is. Rafael Esparza, 115. Ben Heitzler, 205. Marlon Fayright, 215. Leo Haggerty, 230. Wrap up what the Bucks did in minicamp and such and all of that. So we'll get into all of that and more. Plus, our questions of the day as it will pertain, of course, to the NBA Finals. And, you know, last night the Warriors getting the win, and that will be our lead here as well as we'll welcome in Jordan, the graduates. Although, I, you know, yesterday, Jordan, you know, Scott, I think he started a thing. If, if there's a, a differing of opinion, you, you go back to Jordan, the interns. You noticed that yesterday. Yeah, I did. I did notice that yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to stick around or not. I, I don't know for sure. Uh, got some messages as well. I want to get that out the way too. July 9th is that Monster Jam. The next four Thursdays we'll have Monster Jam tickets for you, pit passes, all of that. And um, so if you didn't get a chance to get out there yesterday, every Thursday, you're going to know. Be well before Thursday where we're going to be. Next Thursday we'll be at Katie's. It'll be NBA draft night there as well. So we'll get into all of that, and I will have tickets leading to Monster Jam. Pit passes and regular seats as well, depending on which packs I happen to have there or which packs Jordan didn't swipe and take. But he hasn't just yet, right? You haven't just yet. No, we haven't. There, there, I haven't swi- uh, swiped anything just yet. Okay. Uh, that's fine. And uh, also, <laughs> it's one of them days. Uh, buddy and Jordan, I, I promise I am not trying to make your life a lot easier. Daniel Salerson 
just finally confirmed he is coming in at 1230. So that, that is finally the guest list here. It just, it's one of the days. Sometimes you get guests days in advance and other days it, it just, um, you know, it takes time. To, uh, to get, uh, people to hit you back. But we're gonna talk a little bit NBA finals with him announced now inside of a, of, you know, a week for the NBA draft. Jordan, last night, Golden State getting the win. It is our lead and it is also our, uh, question of the day. So I guess we should do it properly. Time now for the lead. The lead. The lead. The lead. Here's what's topping our headlines on the Sports Hangover. All right, so 103-90, the final Steph Curry. Jordan, as we talked about who was uh, going to be the MVP, look, I mean, the guy averaged 30 points in the finals. He is your MVP. Uh, an unbelievable performance again last night, not only by him, but I thought a lot of people that, uh, you know, the Warriors team from the get-go, it, it looked like, Jordan Boston was going to win that game. I, I think I actually tweeted y'all, right? I said, well, this won't be a game. And then all of a sudden the Warriors couldn't miss. And next thing you know, Celtics made a bit of a run. And then again, the three ball went down. Steph Curry, six of 11. He had 34 points. They were 19 of 46 from beyond the arc, shooting 41% shot, 41% overall from the Florida Golden State. You know, Boston shot 42%, a little bit better, but again, it, it's those threes, man. Um, 19 for them, 11 for Boston. Jordan, when you look at the totality of the postseason, the finals, everything, is it kind of what we were talking about yesterday? Like, I, I, I was on the show this morning on Scott's show, and it was the same thing. He's getting people going. I, I don't know if it was really entertaining. Did you think the finals were entertaining this year? No, not, not at all. There was only there was moments where they were entertaining, like you said. So there's like points in each game where, for three minutes, the game was close. But it wasn't like like diff, like other series that were in the playoffs where every single game went to the right. wire. And that's what you want from a good finals. This finals, it was just all right. Every game had three to five minute spurts of where yeah, it was entertaining basketball. But other than that, it was a blowout towards the end of the game. So. I think a good finals is every single game comes down to the, not every single game, but the majority of the games come down to the final two minutes of play. And that's not what we got at all from any of these games. So what, the what, series. what I find interesting, and again, we'll, we'll talk to Daniel here at 1230 a little bit about it. What stands out to me, or I guess what's interesting to me, right? And I like to like kind of delve into this here. When you looked at the Eastern Conference playoffs, would you not say that Boston looked and was the better team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the road that they had to go through was definitely right. Right. a Mo- lot Milwaukee, tougher Milwaukee, all team. those guys. Right. Okay. Um, when you look at the West, from the beginning of the season, right, we saw Golden State jump out and just pff, were gangbusters. And the, and the Suns. Like, it was the Suns, the Warriors, and everyone else. And the, and the Warriors were doing it before Clay Thompson came back. Remember, he didn't come back till January. So along those lines, would you say one of the or the best team of the West this year was? The Warriors. They had the death squad came back, right? I mean, Wiggins and Poole added to Thompson and Curry. You know, they're just shooting everywhere. So you would say that, right? The reason I'm bringing this up and I'm, and I'm kind of setting it up like this, Jordan, because if those are two of the best teams in the NBA in the top teams, arguably in their conference, then why wouldn't this finals? Cause I'm with you. Like it, it feels that way. And I'm telling you, I, I, I just, I'm trying to make sure I'm not harping on it just to harp on it. But I do think the three point shot, like this is a case study here. Is it ruining the experience of watching? Is it ruining basketball? Is it, I heard somebody bring that up. Now, I don't know if you can say it's ruining basketball because it's, it's how you win. It's how you do that. But what I think is it creates a different game. It creates massive swells. I wouldn't even say ebb and flows. I mean, you're, you're either going to win or you're going to lose that given night. And now we're seeing in the playoffs if you can or cannot make a three-pointer. Is that a fair statement? Because if that's the case, we're going to have to judge players on greatness and on different play, like Because... Again, 
not saying that Wiggins isn't a great or a pool, but the fact that they started that game early and Poole is hitting a couple of threes and Wiggins is hitting a couple of threes or Al Horford, for crying out loud, is hitting threes for Boston. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's literally just jack them up and then see if they come in. And, and then at the end of the day, who had the most threes? I, I Am I harping on the – you don't problem. think it's – okay, so what do you think it is? I mean, you've been seeing the – I mean, the Warriors, you know, since they won their first NBA title, that was basically their key to success was get the ball down the court fast put up a three. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't go in, guess what? I mean, you're you're kind of taking that risk, and that's what the new NBA kind of started with during, you know, the, the Warriors' first title run. So I don't think it's the three-point shot in general. I just think I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just more of a, you know, I really can't tell you. I, I don't know if it was just not a good matchup overall. Because you had with, great players, you know, didn't you? Teams. I mean, you had good yeah, players. Yeah, you, you had great. I mean, I think it. I mean, it could also come down to the Celtics. They they're inexperienced. I mean, it's an inexperienced finals a finals team. They they haven't been to the finals. Maybe next year they they know what it's like to get you know to that road. Jason Tatum talked about that. He knows the path, how hard it is to get right. to the NBA Finals. So maybe next year you see him take another leap from what he did this year. But I mean, if you, and maybe it could be the Celtics just got worn like worn out, like you were saying. Like I was and saying, that, that was the yeah. big storyline. Remember, they I said by game six or seven, those legs are going to start to to pull up. Look, Boston twenty two turnovers. Turn like I, I would say, the three pointers. It could be one of the storylines. Turnovers was a key. And the Warriors just knew how to capitalize on the Celtics' mistakes because they've been there multiple times before. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's more of what it was, the, the Warriors being able to run through. I think this was a very young West okay. overall with the playoffs. I think there was a lot of teams that are very young. The Grizzlies, you know, making their own run, that's still a very young team. The Pelicans, mm-hmm. they're a young team. I feel like the Mavericks are still a very young team. And then you look at the – the Eastern Conference, yeah, there's a lot of young teams, but I feel like they have a lot more, like, more veteran experience on that side of the bracket than they do in the West. And there's still really good players in the, in the West. That's not what I'm saying. There's just a lot of teams that you've seen different title contenders throughout the past couple of years, while in the West, it's mainly the Warriors. And then just last year was the Suns. So. I think there's there's also that aspect of playing the Warriors just been there multiple times, so they knew how to handle the situation. So we only have three minutes left in this segment. We'll come back to this, Jordan, here at the top of the 1 o'clock hour. We'll welcome you back. And I think this always happens after every championship, right? After a Super Bowl, oh, the greatest game ever, the greatest quarterback, the greatest defensive player ever, whatever and down, whatever. But this morning... On get up, Charles Barkley's there, Screaming A's there, Perkins, everybody's there with Greeny. And the topic was, is it the best trio ever? Four rings now together with Curry, Clay, and Green. They've gotten four together as a trio. Now, I know Durant was in there and helped out a bit, but they all three have won them at the same time together playing together. So that's gotten a bunch of people to throw out there. Is it the best that's ever played? Is it better than the big three in Miami with Bosch and Wade and LeBron? Is it better than, I saw somebody put out there, I don't think it's on the same level, Manu, Parker, and Duncan, I don't think that's on the same level. I, I Look, they were great. They were good, but I, I don't know if that's the same level. I, I've never thought of Tony Parker, Manu, Ginobili as one of the best at, at their position. I mean, they're, they're really good, though. I mean, I, Right? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's still Jordan Pippen and Rodman. <laughs> I can't. We can go back and forth on them, but I don't know. What, I mean, do, you, what do you think? Celtics, Celtics with Ray Allen. You think? Paul Pierce and Rajon. I mean, if they didn't, you know, have a falling out, I think they, you know, I think they could have won a few more. Yeah, but they had one. Like, I can't put you in this conversation. If what I'm won. saying is, I think, I think, I mean, can you not say that they started this new era. I mean, uh, I know you say LeBron James started the trio era, mm-hmm. but if you truly look back at it, it was kind of the Celtics to make that first, you know, trying to get the trios together. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think they're in the deep discussion, but I think they're in the discussion. Curry, Clay, and Green. Pretty good. Um, 
and obviously everyone's already out there. We'll ask Raphael uh, who's the favorite to do that as well. And, you know, it's always an opportunity to sneak it in there, Jordan. you got to sneak it in there. The Lakers. Somebody still believes that the Lakers are still, um, you know. Get out of here. What? What? LeBron's out there taking receipts again. Did you see that yesterday? We'll talk more about this at the top of the hour okay. as well. I don't, you know, did you I see don't that? Care. You know what no, because a lot, a lot is being made care. of AD in a video saying he hadn't shot a basketball in two months. Yeah, we talked about that earlier this week. Right. And then LeBron has now come out in support and saying, uh, I'm taking receipts. It's almost time. I, I, well, one o'clock. Pull it up. Yeah. You also deleted those same receipts, LeBron. <laughs> Get out of here. Pull, pull it up. We'll talk about it again at one. Jordan, the graduate at JD Cleaver. Way to follow him on Twitter. Quick break. We come back. Mr. Jeff Duncan. Why no one apparently is going to ever be available to wear the numbers eight and nine for your New Orleans Saints. That's next. On the Sports Hangover, you're home for Pelicans basketball, ESV in New Orleans. Since 1948, that's 74 years, Valerio Brothers has been in the commercial shrimping and fishing supply business. They carry a large selection of stainless steel shafts up to two and a half inches, but they can also order larger if you like. They also stock two, three, and four blade propellers up to 40 inches, a large selection of shaft coupling, single V struts, and stainless steel rudders. Now listen to this, Hilario Brothers is now stocking rudder blades and rudder shafts so you can make your own rudder. Now carrying stainless steel plate pieces so you can make your own V-strut. A huge selection of stainless steel stern tubes, rudder and shaft shoes, fiberglass tubes, rudder ports, packing boxes, and dripless shaft seals. Stocking tiller arms and rubber cutlass bearings along with a big line of motor mounts. Visit Hilario Brothers before the season. That's Hilario Brothers, 894 Avenue A, West Wego. Visit their website at hilariobros.com. Shrimp boats is a common, their sails are inside. Shrimp boats is a common, there's dancing tonight. Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa has got your summer deals. Plus, we're ready to deal on every vehicle in stock or online too at GregLeBlancToyota.com. Remember, we have the all-new Toyota Tundra, totally redesigned and ready for your summer plans. The kids are out of school, and you've got vacation plans. It's the perfect time for something new, and we want your trade, and we're paying top dollar. Greg's got the deal. South Hollywood Road in Homa. Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa has got your summer deals. Ontario, Douay, Ontario. More than just an insurance company, they're marine insurance specialists. Whether it's fishing boats, cabin cruisers, sailboats, or marine industry, you can trust Terrio Douay Ontario to get you the coverage you need at a price you deserve for your home, your auto, life, fire, and health. They've been taking care of people since 1957. Call Terrio Douay Ontario at 475-5126. Just ask for Lynn Pierce or David O. along Bayou Lafouche in Golden Meadow. They say that once you give him control, he'll own your brain forever. Now back to The Sports Hangover. With Gus Kattengau. Welcome back on this Friday, June 17th. Hopefully you're staying cool as always. Appreciate the time when Mr. Jeff Duncan joins us from the Picayune and the Advocate at Jeff Duncan underscores. The way to give him a follow. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Gus, I'm doing good. I'm, I am staying cool. This is, uh, <laughs> this is brutal right now. It is. And obviously yesterday's final practice of the mandatory minicamp went indoors and I, I love what Dennis Allen said he's like you know uh, I mean come on did you see us get off the field at 12 30 on Wednesday that was the thing I kind of want to start there in a handful of different topics um about this week Jeff but that is kind of a big one right no more Sean Payton I, you know it's, it's a little strange still but not really although I felt Jeff like it was business as usual the four OTAs and the minicamps yeah, no, it's going to be something to follow, I think, throughout the season as Dennis Allen kind of puts his stamp on this team. But mm-hmm. I think the continuity of the coaching staff, the roster, the front office does, you know, aid in that transition. But I'm eager to see just how Dennis Allen, you know, calls a game. I mean, what's he going to, what's he going to be like on fourth down? There's all these things you don't know about him as a head coach. How's he going to handle the adversity that Sean Payton was so good at, right? right. You know, uh, and and a guy like, uh, to put it mildly, can be complicated. Like Mike Thomas, like that personality. How's he going to handle him? 
uh, Sean Payton was so good at, at handling, uh, you, you know, difficult players. Uh, he was almost a psychologist right. at times. Uh, you know, these are things we're going to find out about Allen, but just watching the team on the field, I mean, uh, it doesn't look a lot different than, than what we saw under Sean Payton. I spoke to a couple of people that on the team um, at different levels, whether it's players or just staff and personnel. I was like, what's the mood in the building sort of like, Jeff? And I know you followed this team, and you're pretty close with a lot of those people too. And I I wonder if you got the same thing that I did. It's it's business as usual, as I sort of said, but also just a little more relaxed, a little more calm. But don't take that as Dennis Allen, you know, isn't that guy that is a fiery and a passion and all of that uh, there as well. Because I think it's interesting – you mentioned on how he's going to handle those things. We, we've gotten little glimpses, right? Him flying out to Malibu to meet Michael Thomas um, before the draft and everything. And then hearing Jarvis Landry and other players over the last several weeks here specifically mention how Dennis Allen is treating them and how Dennis Allen is connecting with them. I, I, I think that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a great point, and, and I totally agree. Uh, I think it is a little little. Uh, more laid back, but uh, that's just a different coaching philosophy. I mean, Sean Payton was unique in that. Uh, you know, he he had an intensity about him, and he liked to work those long hours. And even when Sean Payton was the head coach, Dennis Allen kind of ran the defense. They weren't there till two a.m. I mean, right. they they would get out. Now sometimes they'd get out later, eleven thirty, midnight. But they often were home at nine thirty or ten on certain nights when the offensive staff would, would not be getting out of there until 2 or 3 a.m. So that's the way Dennis Allen's always run the ship. And I think he is more in line with the rest of the NFL, and Sean Payton was pretty much the outlier. Yeah. I think one of the things, speaking with Jeff Duncan of the Advocate and the Picayune here, um, that also stands out is how these players, I guess, are all going to kind of gel together and and have these storylines going into it. And I, I do think sometimes, look, I mean, when, when a team's in a – "Quote unquote championship window, Jeff. OTAs, training camp, just oh, covering it is rough. Much less for those players get healthy, get get to the the regular season healthy. But I thought the three weeks of OTAs in this mandatory minicamp, you could extrapolate some things that I thought are important going into it. Seeing Jameis Winston pretty much go through everything and where he has his in recovery. Two players at a position group that you absolutely needed an upgrade in." And Landry and Olave and just seeing, you know, Tyron Matthew out there and Marcus May coming back from an Achilles. I think there's a lot of things we could have taken away. I know you posted something that you and the rest of the crew over there, uh, and Rod Walker and Luke Johnson kind of collaborated. What did you guys kind of think were the big storylines? Well, for me, it was, it was seeing, I thought Jameis Winston, I thought you were spot on, like seeing him out there showing that leadership i mean he's favoring that leg which was a little disconcerting for me but i know what he's doing he's wanting to show that this is his team he's trying to uh lead this team by example and being out there with his brothers i think uh tells them a lot and you you sense that when you talk to players i mean this is definitely Jameis winston just like dennis allen they're the two roles the faces of of any nfl franchise the head coach and the quarterback and they're putting their stamp on this team. I think it was important for Jameis Winston to do that. Uh, but it's still, you know, kind of Bill Parcells would say, they're out there in their pajamas, right? You know, they're not really hitting. There's no contact really to, to speak of. So it's hard to judge. They're not really playing football. They're out there on air. So it's difficult to judge certain aspects. But what you see is where players are being used, right. who's maybe spent the offseason in the weight room, gotten stronger. There's a lot of things you, you can judge. And I don't think there's any doubt that this team has more depth than they've had than they had last year. So if they do have those injuries like we know they will, I think they can withstand it better than what, what happened a year ago. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see once uh, camp starts here. We kind of – Get an idea of those battles and and who's actually healthier or not. I would say my number one. I wouldn't even concern just yet, but Marcus Davenport, right? I mean, that right defensive end, I, I, Peyton Turner. I, I'll be happy once I start to see them. Granted, I need them healthy by September 11th, but that's kind of something to keep an eye on, isn't it, for the, mm-hmm. the near future? Yeah, I think when you have a shoulder and you're a defensive end, and he's had recurring issues with that shoulder, Marcus Davenport, that is. Uh, that's a concern because you you use that for leverage in every play. Uh, so he's a key guy. I mean, this is a big year for him. It's basically a contract year. 
And uh, we've seen glimpses of domination from him. Not just good play. I mean, he can be dominant when he's healthy, but when is he healthy? It's It's been an issue. I don't think the finger thing, you know, it sounds terrible, right, the amputation, but I don't think that's an issue really at all. It's, it's half of his pinky on one hand. But I do think they need him at full strength to be as dominant uh, as they can be and reach their potential. No doubt. Jeff, one of the things you put up this week, they got – Got some people, uh, I, I wouldn't even say upset, at least one person in particular. The number's eight and nine. Apparently, that's off limits. Uh, if you're choosing a number, Mark Ingram tried to get one of those numbers. It wasn't going to happen. What would you learn about that going through the process and as to why it's kind of unofficially official, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, the Saints are one of those teams, uh, I think there's a handful, the Steelers, uh, the Falcons are another one, that do not officially retire jerseys. Uh, but it's you know, flat, you know, blatantly obvious when you go out there, Gus, and you get the numerical roster, and the first fifty numbers are all taken except for number eight and number nine. You know, Good point. it's pretty obvious what's going on, right? They're, they're unofficially retiring those those jerseys as a as a gesture and acknowledgement to Archie Manning and Drew Brees, and, and I think it's a cool story. Uh, you know, all the players respect it; they all know. Now, I'm sure from year to year, you're going to have a guy, you know, some random punter that comes in from <laughs> some other school that doesn't know anything about the history of Drew Brees and number right. nine here is going to ask for it. And they're going to be told, you know, we're never issuing those jerseys again. So you'll never see anybody in a number eight or number nine again for the New Orleans Saints. And I, I think that's a, a really classy uh, gesture that, that Dan Simmons, the old equipment manager, uh, and now John, John Bumgarner, is known as bum mm-hmm. around the a locker room. Both those guys carrying on a tradition and and recognizing. And as I pointed out, Gus, uh, and I think it's important to note. I mean, it's not just because Drew Brees and Archie Manning were great players. It's also because they had uh, respect and admiration for the job and the role that the equipment staff uh, plays for a team, and really had a special relationship with those people. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's another reason why why they're doing this. Would you say the number one number in your comments section as to another number should unofficially officially be retired is 57? I mean, that seemed to be like the one that everybody says, huh? Yeah, and I think, you know, any of the Hall of Famers, you, right. would, you would say, you know, 51, Sam Mills going in this year, his number is retired in Carolina. And, of course, number seven for Morton Anderson, but, but you know, Taysom Hill's won that number for years. Right. Uh, but, it, again, it's not just about, the, the play on the field, and I, and I can't stress that enough. It, it has more to, as much to do with how how those guys carried themselves in the locker room and how they treated everyone in the building, uh, and that's what the, the Ring of Honor is about: play on the field and, and gotcha. being a, a leader. And that's that's kind of the way the Saints recognize these guys. At Jeff Duncan underscore the way to follow the columns for the Picayune. And, um, the advocate, I think one of the things too, Jeff, that it will be interesting to this coming fall is the excitement level of that footprint in that building. And though the NBA finals wrapped up, you know, yesterday, but I mean, it, it's palpable, right? Even during football practices and OTAs, I mean, obviously it helps when the graph is there, but I'm talking hoops and I'm talking a rod about the finals and we're looking at all these different things. And with it wrapping up yesterday, and in the draft being less than a month away, have you been as excited about an upcoming fall with the potential of these two teams? So I think they're going to be fun storylines to cover, and I I think both are playoff teams. Yeah, I'm with you 100. percent I think there's definitely more enthusiasm for the Pels than than at any time I've covered the team, and that's throughout their entire tenure here, uh, and and it's with good reason. I mean, they've got everything going in the right direction. They hit a home run on the hire of Willie Green. Uh, this young roster that, that last year's draft class was a home run, and uh, they've got the right culture now. I know that's what David Griffin was trying to establish. He was trying to turn the Pelicans building into what the Saints have had. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do, and he had some stops and starts along the way, but there's no doubt they're headed in the right direction. And I, I think, Gus, you could argue that they're – trajectory of the Pelicans might be even more promising than the Saints right now. I really believe it, it's that strong. That was a question that some people brought up towards the end, you know, right right after 
the postseason ended there and, and they got eliminated by the Suns, that, that I'm telling you, Jeff, people callers were calling and saying that right now they, they view the Pels as a team that is ascending and, and has a maybe who's closer, I guess, to that championship per se. I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun, man. I think the Saints. I love what what CD News said this week. Uh, I'm with them. I I don't I don't see seven eight wins. I I, I see a team that could contend for. Not only the division, but I think a, 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 at least a be one of those two teams in the NFC Championship game, if healthy and everybody gets back together, is teams talented? Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, it's a watered-down NFC, NFC, I think. Right. The, the balance of power in the NFL is all in the AFC. Uh, so I'm with you. Look, the, the, the ceiling on this team, I think, is high. But there, I also think there's a lot of things that have to go right for them. There's a lot of questions, you know, like, What's what's Jameis Winston going to be like on the field with after this surgery? What's Mike Thomas going to be like? What's yeah. Dennis Allen as head coach? I mean, there's just a lot of questions. It's going to be fascinating to watch, though. It's going to be a very intriguing season, and I think, like you, I, I think the potential is there. I think they could, if everything falls in place, I think this team could outright win the division, no doubt. But also think there's a lot of things that have to fall in line, and it's going to be Really compelling training camp, and I think this team could be being slept on uh, nationwide. Yep, no doubt. Six Wednesdays, Jeff. Six Wednesdays, and then we're right back out there in the heat for uh, the start of Saints training camp. So uh, go enjoy yourself in the meantime. Thank you for your time as always, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, buddy. Yeah, Take for care. sure. You too. At Jeff Duncan underscore is the way to give Jeff a follow columnist for the Picayune and the Advocate. When we come back... We will talk to Daniel Salerson specifically about the Pels, his thoughts on the NBA Finals. Six days now into the NBA draft. It's next Thursday. We'll be at Katie's. Don't forget for our crew of Katie's. We'll have those new crew of Katie's t-shirts as well and much, much more. Don't forget those Monster Jam tickets. So quick break. We'll come back and we'll speak with Daniel on your home for Pelicans basketball, ESPN New Orleans. Pour me something tall and strong. Make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past twelve, but I don't care. It's five o'clock somewhere. Looking to achieve a healthier lifestyle but have little time? The Terrebonne General Executive Health Program can improve your overall health for a lifetime in one visit. With little to no waiting, you get a whole year of wellness in one convenient location. Our preventative screenings increase your well-being by providing early detection against illness. With exceptional VIP service, you leave with a plan in hand to achieve a healthier lifestyle tailored for you. Call the Terrebonne General Executive Health Team at 985-850-6204 today. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We'll get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we'll take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $69.99. You can learn more about our battery selection at AutoZone.com. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination. Claim based on data from the NPD Group 2021. Tracy, line one is looking for a quote on a mini split. Crazy spring temperatures are heating up Dwight HVAC phone lines. Next week we're booked solid. If they don't find more technicians, they'll be in hot water. How are we down three technicians in the past three weeks? Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your employer dashboard. Earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits by interviewing on Indeed. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. He's back. He's like the thing that wouldn't shut up. He's got his own catchphrase. He's the best invention since they started frosting Pop-Tarts. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. So the champions... The NBA, the Golden State Warriors, they win it last night, 103-90. Daniel Salerson, at D. Salerson's the way to follow over on Twitter. Part of the Pelicans Radio Network joins us, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? 
Let's just let's just get right to it, man. Did you enjoy the finals? Jordan did not, and I don't feel that he was alone. No, I mean I didn't enjoy it as previous years. I don't think it was the greatest one, especially with most of them, you know, being by ten or more points. It wasn't the greatest one, but as a basketball fan, you know, obviously I still watched all of them. But no, it definitely wasn't the best one. So I can understand where Jordan's coming from. Okay, so help me understand it because I also feel like sort of that, right? I mean, I look, I was in Vermont over the weekend and I watched two of those games with Celtics fans. So I I can understand why they they were invested in and viewed it that way too, but even in those games, I I think it's the three-point shot, man. I I think it just the it's not even an ebb and flow. It's like titanic swells. And yeah. it's it's almost like if you don't hit them, you're not going to win. It's just it's just that simple. Jordan kind of kind of came up with some other reasons to perhaps that I don't know turnovers at Boston, but I don't know why do you think it wasn't enjoyable? Because Daniel Boston was the best team in the in the East this postseason, right? I mean, you could make that case. They won it and yep. earned it and went through a tough road. And in the West, from the beginning of the season, I feel like it was the Suns and Warriors. So you have the top two teams from each conference. So why did the finals not entertain? I think for the Celtics reason, I think there was the lack of experience showed up for them. These are, I think they had a combined 20 some games worth of finals experience between their entire team. Um, whereas the Golden State Warriors had over 200 and all those guys that have now won four championships with them. I think it just came to that where, you know, Jason Tatum struggled a decent amount during this finals. Um, him and Jalen Brown had a tough time. Um, I just think that when you have a team like that that's really talented but hasn't been to the big stage like that, um, it kind of got to them a little bit. And, yeah, they won two games, and, you know, they got off to a really slow start last night. I just think the Warriors' experience got the best of them, and I think that was a big reason why you had so many games that didn't come down to the wire because mm-hmm. it would be close for a decent, a little bit of it, and then one team would pull away. And so it just every every time there was no suspense, there was no drama, it was just, which team would either get off to a great start or which team would pull away in the fourth. And for the most part, it was all Golden State. Speak with Daniel Salas and Pelicans Radio Network. It's nuts here. What, four of the last six, they've been in it. Four of the last eight, they've won it. Um, when you look at that, the word dynasty is being thrown out there. Is it deserving or not? Charles is like four and six, maybe, not four and eight. They're just, it's that kind of time. Look, we were calling the 49ers dynasties when they won four in a 10-year time span in the NFL. So, when you look at what they're doing, it's pretty incredible, not only based off of the fact that they're winning it, Daniel, but I don't see them slowing down, right? I mean, now that they've had Wiggins, Pools rise to it, I, I, I they're going to be one of the teams next year to, to contend. Yeah, you're going to have to eventually pay Wiggins and Pools, so that's going to be really the only thing that could keep them in their way, but I'm guessing they could go over the tax because they've won four championships out of the last six years, and I think money is not an issue there in San Francisco with a nice new arena, but absolutely. And then they got better because they were one of the worst teams um, not uh, just a year ago, a couple of years ago, and they got Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga in the draft, both right. top 15 picks. So, And this is the thing about Golden State and even for Boston. Golden State built their team on on draft picks. Besides adding Kevin Durant, you know, no, Andre Iguodala, but Jordan Poole was drafted, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, you name it. James Weissman, even though he he got a ring but hasn't really played as much, um, all these guys, Kayvon Looney, all these guys were drafted by them. And so that's why I think it's sustainable for them. That's why it has been because it's been all guys that have come through their system, come through the culture. So like when Wiggins talks about the culture there, he felt so comfortable right when he got in there because he knew what to expect when joining those, those three guys in Draymond, Clay, and Steph. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they can easily contend next year. Uh, for number five, uh, it's going to be scary to think about that. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely not going anywhere, that's for sure. No doubt. And you brought it up. We're less than a week away, six days a week from the NBA draft. So many people have ideas as to what, you know, the Pels can do because there's options. And I know you and I have talked about that. And I know that you, you've put bugging systems. You're, you'll be up to date next Thursday. You'll, you, you would have had 15 conversations with David Griffin and everybody. You're going to know exactly what they're going to do. There's a lot of different things they can do next Thursday, isn't there? 
Absolutely, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> guiding David on where he should go. As there we go. The <laughs> you know, I talk to him every all. He texts me like, "What do you think now?" And I'm like, "Wait, man, I got you. I'm on the phone with Gus. You know, you're important <laughs> to me." Um, but yeah, there's so many options there. There's people are moving up the board, down the board. Teams are trying to trade up. There's teams that are trying to jump to number seven right before the Pelicans. That can change what they want to do. They could also go the route of trading back. We've seen some mm-hmm. things about maybe they trade back and get a veteran piece and move back a few spots. I think the beauty about this draft is there are options and good options at number eight, but with their scouting, they could find someone that go, well, we can risk and go four slots down and make a move and and get a a tiny role piece, a veteran piece that we can use and still get someone good at number 12. So I definitely think we're not going to really know what to expect at eight. There's not like a clear cut, this guy's probably going to be at number eight. There's probably four or five options that could be there at, at number eight, and I think most of them, are, are very good options. So, yeah, I think that's the good thing about the Pelicans heading into this draft is I don't think the pressure is there as much for what they're trying to do this season with all the players they have coming back, Zion coming back. Yeah. You know, obviously you want this pick to be good, um, but you necessarily don't have to have someone that's going to be an impact player right away if you don't if you think they might have need some time to grow and put them in the G League for a little bit, have them bounce up and down. There's definitely a, a million different ways, as you mentioned, they can go um, come next Thursday. I asked Shemit Dua on the show yesterday if there was a player that he would trade for. Like, of everybody that's available, like, move up for a man, rather. Um, and without hesitation, easily, Jaden Ivey. Is there a player in your mind? Is it Jabari Smith? Is it Ivey? Is it Boncaro? Is it like, if David, you know, bumps into in the hallway, Daniel, we're moving up. Who do we need to go get? Like, who would that player be? Yeah, I really do like Jaden Ivey, so I agree with Schmidt. But for me, it is Jabari Smith from Auburn. I think he could be easily the the best player in the draft. I don't know if he'll go number one. It seems like Orlando might go towards Chet Holgram. Um, but I see Jabari Smith as one of the top players in the draft. So for me, that's the route I would go. If the Pelicans uh, were, able to, uh, were able to move up, a dynamic player out of Auburn, he really can do it all. And I think he'd be exactly what the Pelicans need. But that is wishful thinking if they're able to trade up. But, um, <laughs> right. yeah, that'd be nice to get Jabari Smith on the uh, team. Do you think Chet is going to be a good – NBA player it's hard to tell I mean I think he has the skill set but what everyone talks about is there's no muscle on him there's so no there, size there there he needs to eat a cheeseburger every now and then now and get going um but that's the thing about the NBA there are guys that were skinny and you know I remember Dwight Howard when he came in and he was a big dude but he wasn't what he was in like three years after he got drafted in Orlando mm-hmm. he was huge like he got bigger um and so I think it's possible. Um, but, yeah, he's a very talented player. It's just I think that's the biggest question mark is how that translates. But he's a pure shooter, has a lot of skill set driving to the rim. It's just, again, when he starts banging with those six, ten, seven foot guys down low, what's going to happen to him? But, again, there's time that you can add. He can add muscle. He's going to be with an NBA team. The facilities, the resources are going to be there for him. So I don't really necessarily worry about that. But it'll be interesting to see what they do at number one. There's no clear cut there either. I mean, they can go a couple different ways too. I was looking, Daniel, um, on the latest photo drop from the team of the guys working out. I see Trey Murphy doing little push-ups there. You got Alvarado doing some leg squats. It's really cool to to see the guys. Obviously, just still there <laughs> working out and doing that, man. And and I know, like even Schmidt said yesterday, like they they worked out and were at the facility there last year, but it just looks like a bit different vibe this year. And it's again, it's June, but I'm okay with the fact that it's June and they're right outside your office, you know, getting something done. Yeah, well, there's a certain player in Los Angeles that hasn't picked up a basketball since early April. So the fact that these guys are already in the gym, um, it's definitely a good sign. And look, these are guys that are really motivated, guys that. Trey Murphy got going later on, but probably didn't have the best rookie year that he would have liked. Mm-hmm. But, again, ended very well, um, especially shooting from three. Jose, yeah. the way he played. Herb, the way he played. Some of these young guys are hungry. And they got the taste of the playoffs. And now they're like, all right, well, what can I do to get better? And for right now, it doesn't have to be shooting, but it starts in the weight room, staying healthy. And that was one of the benefits of this year for the Pelicans is the injuries went down um, a ton and didn't have to worry too much about that. So taking care of their bodies and being in there, these guys rather be in the gym, they'll take mm-hmm. their vacations. But a lot of these guys want to take care of themselves and start getting ready early. So um, I love seeing them in there. 
Um, and it's certainly going to help them down the road. But, yeah, good to see the young guys kind of motivated and kind of itching to get going. I think that footprint over there in Airline Drive, sir, was um, health is a big issue. I mean, you saw the Saints. One of the first things Dennis Allen did was to revamp the strength and conditioning situation with yep. the Saints. You know, so And I know that's something that David Griffin wanted to – emphasize ever since he's gotten here and everything and you know i've heard that a lot this week especially with saints otas and mini camps right best available best abilities availability and it it, it does it does matter how you train in the off season and get ready I'm not saying you have to go out there and play five on five but getting stronger healthier more flexible whatever it is to because it's a long season man i mean i'm sitting there last night and my wife's going this is the same. This is still the finals. I'm like, yes, yeah. And then they start in October. I mean, it's you know, it's a long season. Yeah, very long season. Thinking about the two teams that just got finished, as their front office already has to kind of, all right, well now we got to get ready for the draft um, in just six days. So uh, yeah, it is. And so for the Pelicans and those players that make the playoffs and have some time afterwards to rest, recover. I mean, they need that too. That's the big thing is you recover for three, four weeks, however long you want it and then you go right back at it if you want it um i think there was a big debate about that again with anthony davis about when do you start again like should he be picking up a basketball earlier than you know april 5th was the last time he did it but again everyone has their own routines and sure. these are guys that have only been the, the league for one year so maybe this is them saying all right this is what i kind of want to do during the off season this is the time i want to spend focusing on my body and working out and getting mm-hmm. flexible then when it comes to after summer league or something, I get back to the gym and start shooting and doing all those kind of drills. So it's just everyone's preference, but it's nice to see, you know, like we mentioned, some of our guys already being in there and getting to work in no mid-June. Doubt. D. Salerson's the way to follow Daniel. Check him out always online. And, of course, during the Pelican season, as a member of the Pelicans Radio Network. And, sir, I will talk to you again next week. we got an NBA draft to get ready for. So see you then, bud. Yeah, can we talk about the Braves going for 15 in a row against their Cubbies? <clears throat> it's time to go. You hear the music, Daniel? It's time to wrap up. It's time to wrap up. All right. Well, Thank I'll you for be, your I'll time. I'll be texting over the weekend. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It'll be batting practice for you guys as uh, they look to, to lose their 10th straight. Sports Hangover continues next on ESPN New Orleans. The other day, someone said they saw a roach the size of a nutria down around Cutoff. I don't know about that, but nasty pests like roaches, termites, ants, and spiders are running wild up and down the bayou. If you got bug problems, call Terminex and the Bayou Boys, Dan and Billy Foster. They'll be there in a jiffy to protect your home or business. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex is here to get rid of bugs any size. So call those Bayou Boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Through good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand-related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafourche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse, 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Want more from your bank? Open a Cajun Pride checking account at State Bank and Trust Company and enjoy the benefits. Unlimited check writing, overdraft protection, online banking, mobile banking, debit card, ID theft assistance, safe deposit box discounts, prescription drug discounts, shopping, travel, entertainment discounts, and much more. Call or come in for more information about applicable fees and terms. State Bank and Trust Company. Cajun Banking. Served just the way you like it. State Bank and Trust Company. Member FDIC. 
That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no worse. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back. Touch them all, Timmy Grubbs. At Mr. Tim Grubbs. Way to follow over on Twitter. Tim, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Hot. I also Hot. feel like I can't ever hydrate enough. I feel like I'm just constantly drinking water. I, I don't know. <laughs> is it as hot as it is over here by you? Um, it's actually probably hotter. The difference is temperature-wise it's hotter. It's not as humid. And when the sun goes down, the temperature drops mm-hmm. substantially. So that's the big difference. But during the day, I think it actually, temperature-wise, it gets hotter. But we all know humidity <laughs> which is, which punches you in the gut. <laughs> No doubt. Uh, Daniel gave me a parting shot. Salerson just now as he, uh, he said, uh, he's looking forward to the Cubs tonight as his Atlanta Braves continue to play really well. You can't really have two bigger opposites of the spectrum as we start talking Major League Baseball with you, sir. <laughs> then those two teams, one team can't lose. The other team can't find a way to win. It's incredible what the Braves are doing. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously last year they were below 500 in July, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know figured it out and made it all the way to, you know, and won a World Series. And now this year they were stumbling through April and May, and here they are, winners of what fourteen in a row. Yeah. And I know you can get, you know, they beat up on my beloved Pirates, and they beat up their schedule. It got very soft when they did this, but and you know obviously now they're playing the Cubs, but still at the same time. Um, it's still very difficult. There's a reason why you don't have long win streaks like this. Um, anybody can trip anybody up, but this is pretty incredible what Atlanta has pulled off. And yet, you know, they're four and a half games out of first place, but the Mets were double-digit lead, what, two weeks ago. Right. Um, when you look at both teams, right, I mean, one looking to win 15, one's lost 10 straight in the Cubs here as well. It, I mean, I, look, I know talent is a thing and payroll is there as well. But, you know, the Cubs aren't the only team that have gone through a big losing streak like that. The Angels have here as well. I feel like there's been four or five teams that have had double-digit losing streaks this year. Is that is that an oddity? I think that is. I mean, the Pirates just snapped a nine-game. Oakland <laughs> lost, what, 11 games? I think right. it was. I mean, I might be wrong on some of the numbers, but there has been some very long losing streaks this year and I think you know you and I always talk about it the the parity in the game isn't what it should be you know you've got your elite teams and then you've got a little bit of a middle class and then a lot of the lower you know what I mean it's it's just such a drop-off you know and I think that's what happens with teams like Oakland teams like Kansas City teams like Pittsburgh and now the Cubs and Cincinnati is you know even though they've played better of late you know when they got off to such a dismal start I mean, they were buried before you even got to, you know, May 1st. It was going to be very impossible for them to, to turn around. And I think it's what it is when you've got such rosters that are thin that all of a sudden you know, there's an injury or two and you even get thinner, and then all of a sudden the team just pounces on you for, you know, a sweep here, a sweep there, and then all of a sudden it unravels. When you don't have that stopper, you don't have that really good elite, you know, starting pitcher that can get out there on every fifth day and, and put a stop to everything. Yeah, I think one of the things as well that you're seeing too, it's uh, the top two teams, one in the AL, one in the NL, both in New York, man. The first ones to, you know, the win total that they have there as well. It's it's crazy when you think, you know, the the 40 win mark, almost to the 50 win mark, and what they have, uh, what the the Mets 42, the Yankees 47, they 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 could be maybe the top two teams in baseball. Could be. You know, I mean, right now, I mean, I think the Yankees have the best record at 47 wins. I think the Yankees, but, you know, I mean, the way Atlanta's playing, I yep. mean, I wouldn't write off, you know, the Braves. You know, I know they're they're not going to keep this up. But at the same time, they're playing so well that uh, they are probably the best team in baseball at the moment, even though record-wise they're not. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, the way you take a look at the standings, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a New York, New York World Series, especially knowing their wallets and their pockets that a month from now, when you and I are talking trade deadline stuff, who's going to go out there and get the big names? Uh, I'm 
I'm right now playing a Dodgers affiliate, and we're just going down the, the names of the players that are on the current Dodgers team that are going to be traded in a month for a reliever or for a starter, you know, to help L.A. make their push towards uh, the postseason. And you know the Yankees and the Mets are going to be at the front line of the list, as, long, as well as the Dodgers, to be able to get some of the best players to, to help fuel their team for the postseason. I think one of the things as well that I guess has stood out to me how some of these other teams have been playing so far in this Major League Baseball season is um you haven't had a lot of major injuries to a lot of teams, right? I mean, that's kind of, again, not an oddity, but normally in June, right? I mean, you'd have some guys being missing and stuff. Right, yeah, you normally would. And, you know, and I think we've, we've had some minor ones here and there. And I think a lot of the – a lot of the pitching injuries and a lot of the uh, guys that have strained obliques and because of the shorter spring training. Um, but I think nowadays with the training staffs and the medical people, I think they really know how long you need to be out and they know how to, to ease you back into it. Um, the one thing that Major League Baseball and the Players Association have done, the rosters are bigger. Um, it hasn't. It's not had a whole lot of attention. You know, there's been an article here and there that they made the rosters bigger this year because of the shorter spring training. So I think that also helps that these play these managers are, are dealing with a with more more cards to play than they used to. And I think that really helps guys out. And obviously at, at unions all for it because it's more right. money for, for guys that would have been at the triple A level that are now at least being bench guys, whether they be in the bullpen or, or guys coming off the bench and can play. Something else this week that took place that I couldn't wait to talk to you about, uh, speaking with Tim Grubbs, voice of the wind surge out there in uh, Wichita. Um, the Immaculate Innings. Did you see that? Did you see that this yeah, week? Yeah, that's incredible. There's, yeah, there two, was two play, by one yeah. team in one day. <laughs> right. So the Houston pitchers, Houston pitchers, Luis Garcia and Phil Martin threw immaculate innings what's an immaculate inning it's nine pitches three strikeouts it's literally the bare minimum of the minimum of the minimum to get to go three up and three down tim have you ever caster it's a dream (laughs) 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 because the inning is what like two minutes long yeah what's the closest Uh, you've seen three up three down on nine pitches we had one happen last year um uh pitcher for us yenier cano did it and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy when it happens. In fact, the game that I did last night, there was a five pitch inning, but obviously it wasn't strikeouts. But yeah, no, I called one last year. And it's kind of one of those things you do a double take. You know, when they're, when you're like, when the third batter comes up to bat and gets down in the count like 0 1, and you're like, wait a second, mm-hmm. we're at pitch number seven. And then there was, called strike two and it's like oh we're pitch eight this could happen and then all right. of a sudden it happened and i realized <laughs> we smoked as an immaculate inning um i think it's i think in this day and age with the way strikeouts are so high and the numbers are so you know what i mean i don't know if it's just uh, a coincidence i mean there's a ton of punch outs i mean major league baseball breaks records on a nightly basis or you know all season long yeah. now with the most strikeouts and given games and so forth. And pitchers, it's just more acceptable because the guys are hitting for power and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of like the cycle to some degree. Um, is it an incredible thing to happen? I would say, yeah, but it's almost more of a coincidence that it, that it's happening in a given inning as opposed to something like a perfect game or a no-hitter. Even though immaculate innings, there's less immaculate innings than no-hitters, but I still think it's a bigger accomplishment to have a no-hitter than, than do that. That's crazy. And then you to have two in one game is, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. So I'm glad you explained that because I did see somebody text, uh, or tweet me. Uh, what if it's three pitches, three outs, like three straight pop-ups? I mean, what would you call that? I don't know what you would call that, but it's the one, two, three <laughs> inning. I don't know if there is. Right. You know, you know here's the first pitch season. popped up and, you know, second baseman gets the next pitch, another pop-up to the pitcher, the next well, pitch, another pop-up. And you've done plenty of play-by-play, and our good friend Graf has done plenty of play-by-play. And maybe between the three of us, we can figure it out. But if we're going to call an immaculate inning, nine pitches, three strikeouts, three pop-ups, a three-pitch inning is definitely a broadcaster's dream. Because that inning would be, what, a minute? A minute? (laughs) I mean, I don't Uh, know. Three pop-ups. What are we calling that? We got we got to come up with something. I'm gonna text Graf and I'll text you back. I mean, what 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 would we call 
three straight pitches, three straight <laughs> pop-ups, and we'll be back with the bottom of the side. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> That's how it works. Tim, happy Father's Day to you, sir. Thanks. You too. Uh, the last time we were on, you, you, you asked me. It was right after there was a firing. And I had a good laugh because you said, is there anybody else on the hot seat at the moment? I said, I don't think so at the moment. And within minutes, Joe Madden Joe got Madden fired. Got fired. So exactly. like, yeah. Shows you uh, our accuracy. And I don't think Tony LaRusso is getting fired today, but uh, I do think if things don't turn around for the White Sox, it's always a possibility. Yeah, I hear you, man. We'll see what happens. We'll talk again next week, man. Enjoy it. Tell uh, everybody hi for me. Thanks, man. Tell everybody hey, and uh, enjoy your Father's Day weekend as well, and stay hydrated. Indeed. Sounds good. Hour one is in the books. When we come back, we'll rejoin Jordan the Graduate, and I'll ask him, what does he think of LeBron's defensive AD? Because it's already started. It's not even a full day since the words became the NBA champs, and are the Lakers the team that beat in the West? I'm not kidding you. That's, that's how it works in national media. It's a sports hangover on ESPN.